Hello and welcome to Mining Stock Daily with me, Paul Harris. Today we're talking about gold exploration in Nevada and the launch of a new junior explorer. And for this, I'm joined by Christina McCarthy, President and CEO of Paycor Minerals. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. Now, um, Paycor Minerals um, launched on the TSX venture this week. Um, you've been in the mineral mining sector for a long, long time. Uh, you're a geologist by trade. Uh, a lot of people know you for the five or so years you spent with McEwen Mining. You've also been fundamental in the, um, the startup and development of other, other companies such as Newfound Gold. Um, this is your first uh, solo project as president and CEO. So congratulations there, Christina. How did this Thank all you. come about? Yeah, um, essentially, I was, when I was working for McEwen Mining, we had a project in Gold Bar. And uh, at the time, I was director of corporate development. And knowing all the geos in the field, sort of, you know, as we all work together in various roles, um, knew about this project, um, uh, and it was never on. It was never available actually at the time. Um, Ewan Downey had been doing a lot of deals in Nevada uh, with Waterton at the time. He was sort of a. He's been a sort of a consolidator of Nevada projects ever since they sold Premier to Equinox and spun out all of the Nevada assets into I-80. So at the time he was with Premier Gold and I had asked him, I know that you're doing a lot of deals with Waterton. Can we, can, is there a way that we can, you know, use that relationship, leverage that relationship and, and try to piece this fad project from the, the more complex, bigger Ruby Hill complex. And, and so it was that, sort of that relationship that sort of helped me really push this across the line. Um, I knew that it, there was not a lot of data in the public domain about it at all, actually. Um, but Barrick did own it at one time and they had just, it was a non-core asset for them. And so they eventually just sold it to Waterton and we negotiated a pretty good deal to acquire hundred percent of this project right in the heart of Nevada, which is, which is very ideal. Well, thank you. Um, Waterton's about a 35% shareholder in Paycor. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ewan McDowney. He's a strategic advisor to the company. IAD Gold, uh, I see, owns 6% of Paycor as well. So um, with Ewan Dowdy being sort of president and CEO of IAT, um, how does that work that, you know, he's a strategic advisor with you as well? Yeah, actually, it, so he was on the board uh, when I started building this company, I asked him to be a director and he did. Um, and then when we were doing the due diligence and working for working on this project, I, he was quite involved in that. And so was one of um, his, his, his geologists, uh, Tyler Hill, who is a very brilliant geo over there at I-80. And so we, we, we were building this model together and it was actually through that model that he ended up liking the project next door. So at the time he owned 8%, um, I-80 owned 8% of my company. Um, and a year later, they ended up acquiring the project directly next door, um, you know, by just That's by way Ruby of the market. Yeah. That was, the, yeah. So we have the original Ruby Hill mine, but they also call theirs Ruby Hill. So it's a bit confusing in that regard. Um, so once they require that project next door, obviously that's a bit of a conflict of interest given the, the synergies there. So he had to step down from board director and is now a strategic advisor. Okay, thank you. Now you've got some very um, other uh, very well-known experienced people. Uh, the chair of the company is Jim Gowans, who, uh, Barrack man spent a long time working in in Nevada, so that's a, a really good uh, asset to have for the yeah. company. 
Um, and I would say that Jim Gallons is one of the top 10 metallurgists on the globe. In fact, he worked for Barrick at the time that Barrick owned this asset. And he had said to me, yeah, that was such a such a cool project. But at the time, you know, it's polymetallic and we were focused on, you know, big production over at Ruby Hill. And so it was just a non, a, a, it was a non-core, non-focus for us at the time. So I had known that he worked for that for Barrick when when this was owned by Barrick. Also knew that you know, knowing his background as a metallurgist, and some of this deposit reminded me a lot of the Taylor deposit, which is what Arizona Mining had that high zinc grade. So I called him up, flew down to uh, Vancouver, spent a few couple days there. And uh, we worked, we went over the project together and he, and as you know, he is, um, he was former president and CEO of Arizona mining. So he sold that company to South 32 for 1.65 billion us. And so when he looked at this and saw, I was like, wow, the gold grade in this is, is phenomenal. It's, it reminds me of my deposit, obviously not as big, but um, with that gold kicker, it's pretty compelling. So that's when uh, he was he joined the team at that point he was uh, overboarded at the time and later on he um, he ended up resigning from a, another one of his board positions and soon after joined our company as non-executive chairman okay thank you Christina now talk to us uh, tell me a little bit about the this um, the, the going public that was an RTO wasn't it um, you, you raised what 15 million Canadian as part of that um, that initial yeah. financing um, that was a was it an RTO three-way amalgamation? It was just over uh, $16 million that okay. we raised in the RTO. It was a CPC card Aardvark Capital Corp. Uh, a lot of mining guys and that, that I know in the in the industry. And um, upon closing the RTO, um, we had rolled back their stock, uh, uh, five for one, and um, then also had to issue shares to Waterton as part of the closing. And that is part of the acquisition. So we ended up issuing Waterton 35% of the shares, other large shareholders uh, after the close and, 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 and you know, post closing, I should say. Um, Sprott Hathaway is 5%, I-80 is 6% after the dilution there. And other shareholders that are actually a lot of ex or sorry, a lot of current I-80 folks. And that's because I think that they saw some of the synergies in this project I've known even for a long time and known a lot of the folks that have involved with I-80. And I like those longtime supporters and those those folks were longtime supporters of Premier and now they'll be longtime supporters of I-80 and longtime supporters for me. Okay, well, that's obviously, you know, very, very desirable. And you've, you've got a very tight share structure at the moment. What is it? So 28 million shares outstanding? Give or yes, take. 20, 28 million shares out and 29.1 fully diluted. Market okay, cap's you. around 58.5 million. 59 minutes. Okay, great stuff. Let, let's talk a bit more about FAD now. Um, FAD's, uh, as we've talked about, is a, a project um, in, in Nevada. It's on the uh, Battle Mountain Eureka trend. Um, you've you've yeah. got a historical resource there. Um, you, you raised, what, as you said, 16 million Canadian. What, what's the plan for, for this year to uh, advance the project? Yeah, so I'll just quickly tell you, I mean, I, I like to highlight, sort of go over the highlights first. Uh, with the project because it does cover sort of a really broader spectrum and it's really that the location we're located in Nevada we have an unmined project here that has largely been untested down dip 
there's actually an existing resource which was completed by Hecla in the 70s, and it has about 13, uh, sorry, 3.9 million tons, creating about 13.6 grams gold equivalent. That's, of course, non 43101, and we have to drill that to reconfirm all of that mineralization. Um, but for us, it's an amazing start because we, it's, this isn't a grassroots project. So we have a sort of a brownfields project, if you will, right in the heart of Nevada on one of the most prolific gold belts in the world uh, with all of the infrastructure located five minutes from Eureka. Uh, and there's a fad shaft there that actually goes to a depth of 700 meters right to the heart of the deposit. Um, and then for us, it's the sort of the scalability and the optionality. There's this the FAD main zone, which is accessed, you know, via that shaft, we would have to do rehabilitation work on that, of course, and we haven't done that yet. For us, the focus is drilling. Uh, and the other option is the near surface um, oxide target. And if you would have saw earlier this week, uh, the day that we began trading this early, earlier this week on Monday, we announced um, results from that oxide target, which was were pretty phenomenal, in my opinion. Uh, 28 meters of four and a half grams gold equivalent and tw almost 24 meters of 5.3 grams gold equivalent. And all of that is within the first 110 meters of, from surface. So, you know, that could be potentially open pitted. And, you know, given that we have these neighbors next door that have, you know, operations and processing uh, optionality over there, um, it's, it's pretty synergistic in that regard. Excellent. So is the sort of initial exploration drilling plan to basically prove up that historical resource, you know, twin holes, et cetera, to, to bring it into sort of 43101? That's right. It, it won't be so much twinning as, as it will be more so of a guide. We're going to use the old data as a guide to really sh structure how and, and plan these next holes. And the reason is that we don't have any of the, this was, this project hasn't been drilled in decades. So a lot of the drilling that was done, it was done from the underground. I mean, they were when they were mining this, it was taking about you know eight months just to drill one hole because this was in the 40s and 50s. And so when they realized there was a fault that outcropped on surface, they stepped back, drilled, realized that the deposit was there, and then because the holes were taking you know you know a couple holes a year, they were getting they sunk the shaft. Um, so a lot of that drilling was done from underground. We don't have any of that old data. We don't have, I mean, we have the core logs that to give the detailed core description, but we don't have the assay certs and we don't have most of that core. So for us, it's going to be using that, those, you know, the, the collar coordinates to where they've drilled as a guide to continue drilling and really prove up what they have pre historically, historically proved, but we need to confirm that to make sure that everything that they have said is there is in fact there. And I think that some of that confirmation is already proving to be very true. You can see also in the press release uh, from Monday, there was another hole that was drilled targeting that main zone and it hit almost 37 meters of 13 grams gold equivalent. Um, and those are just phenomenal grades, right? And so we're going to keep on drilling the heart of that deposit, do step. And that actually, I should mention, that hole was a 200 meter step out away from that main fad deposit. So if we can continue to drill along that strike laterally, and that's just in the near term, we haven't even tested the down dip extensions. And we know that the, the geology is there as well in the down dip extension because it's faulted and thrusted and down dropped. But if we can continue to prove these lateral step outs and drill in the main heart of this, I think that we're onto something really exciting here. It could be Nevada's next, next discovery. 
All fingers crossed there. So um, that sort of brings us nicely into sort of talking about what the the company strategy is or, or the corporate strategy. You obviously, as you mentioned, you're in a, the, one of the prime gold districts. You've got mining infrastructure all around you. You've got a, a high grade target, um, sort of a brownfield target, which you can sort of prove up and hopefully continue to expand and grow to a much bigger scale. What, what, what's the what do you think will be the the, the end game for for Paycor once you've done that? Well, we, <laughs> um, the focus is, of course, is just drilling. I want to put every dollar we can in the ground. We have two rigs right now, and we are just finishing the first uh, phase phase of the drilling, which consists of about nearly 4,000 meters. Um, it will be ongoing. And the reason that being is, you know, we, it'll, we, we, we have, you have to, in order, for, you have to break it out for this for the exchange as you know part of getting listed so that's why we kind of broke it out into phase one phase two phase three but it also gives us a chance to take this take the data put it into the model and strategize where we drill next do we drill these near surface holes do we drill the deeper holes and that's actually also where we're quite diversified and and, and nimble in a way because we can drill the the deeper holes are obviously longer, so they're going to be more expensive just by default. And then the near surface holes, which are the oxide holes, they use their RC rig, which is quicker and it's a cheaper per it's cheaper per foot. And those are quick turnarounds. So, you know, depending on market conditions, if we wanted to preserve capital, we could drill the near surface oxide target. And if we're really wanting to like aggressively drill this sort of deeper target to put bring it into resource, we can do that as well. Because again, we already have quite a, an idea of where the mineralization is there. I really like the fad deposit, the main fad deposit, because it's just so high grade and I we know that it exists already. Um, and I think that for us, that the, the focus is let's drill this, let's get this to, uh, you know, a, a, just a four to three one on one decision here with the drilling. And we continue to build value in the share price. And then once we really create value, and again, I think that the, the results that we're going to be putting out over the next several months will really speak volumes to that and, and create that value. And then we can, you know, go again and raise another, you know, whatever it is for the next drill program so that we can, again, continue aggressively drill this and then potentially even add more drill rigs to this. Okay. Um, do you hope to sort of get a, um, a, a resource estimate your own resource estimates were created or produced this year? Uh, it won't be this year, but, um, you know, there's certainly the focus is to get towards that goal next year. And, and again, it's the idea of being able to do that um, at depth or near surface. Um, I think that there would be a lot of folks that might like the, like us to draw the near surface target because it's the low hanging fruit and, and the miners that had when they were when this was last mined at near surface, you could see from Google Earth, the all the old mine, all the old structures, there's a lot of tunneling and adits. It's very primitive mining methods. So we think that given that style of mineral of mining, they likely left a lot of mineralization and potentially even high grade left behind. So you know that that could be sort of the low-hanging fruit where you know possibly we were we send it over to or work a deal with um, our neighbors and process our or in their facilities. Um, I have, you know, I've been hearing I-80 talking about converting their operations eventually to uh, a base metal um, um, uh, facility. So, and that's mainly because 
it seems that there there's a high priority target for them, um, a base metal target that's beneath the Archimedes pit. And so you can see from our property all the drills that they have on their property. And it looks like they're drilling that target pretty pretty nicely over there. And it's it's directly associated with ours, given the base metal um, content to it. I want to sort of try and put this into the context of the market, if I can, Christina, because in, in some ways um, um, it's, it's a little bit of a minefield to tiptoe through in terms of what the the overall strategy is, um, because we've seen with some other other explorers in the Great Basin, the you know the heap leachable oxides, the sulfide, the millable sulfides. Um, the market seems to be sort of swinging back and forth about what it really wants companies that are operating in the Great Basin. Um, obviously, this is, you know, a few years away when this for to become a, a, a key management decision for, for you. But uh, what's your view of how the market is viewing sort of Great Basin projects, the oxides versus the, the sulfide potential? Well, I, in a, in a better gold market, of course, I think that, you know, those, they're more capital intensive, I think, because the, the sulfide deposits, they can be quite large. Uh, a lot of drilling is needed to, and so again, capital intensive and, and a thriving gold market, I think that those are a great focus. And then again, you know, when we're in market conditions are tougher and we're at, a, if gold's out of favor or polymetallics or I think that the oxides become the near surface. I mean, it's, it's the focus to maybe shift to just to preserve capital um, depending on, but then again, I mean, if you have great results, I think that your, your results can also speak volumes, but market conditions always prevail and, and seem to, you know, be a big hindrance, right. On a lot of the, our, the treasuries and, and these junior, and these junior exploration companies for us, um, we want to, we want to focus on being able to have a very clear path to the market and that we're going to aggressively drill this fad approach the fad mean zone and bring it to a resource decision as quickly as we can okay uh, thank you christina what one final question um, and i should have asked this right at the top um, you know what, what's the story behind the, the the fad name or is there a story behind the fad name oh it's funny i did so much digging around to figure out why was this called fad and it's the claim block that the actual there's these sort of leasing um uh in, in nevada it's the it's just what the actual lease of this block was called the fad lease and then it became the fad deposit and then it became the fad shaft and <laughs> and so there's not a really cool story behind it but one thing i would say that's really neat about this is that um back in the 40s and 50s and when, when the mine when the shaft was actually sunk the legendary Thera Lindsay was uh, one of the financiers and oversaw the build of the FAD shaft and the Locan shaft, which are both on our projects. They ended up naming a shaft after him, which is called the TL shaft. And so I uh, thought that that was a really interesting story, reading that through the data. And I actually, I should mention that our, our project is mainly on patented ground. So it's a much shorter time to, to um, permitting you know, then having to go through the process with the BLM. Well, that's certainly an advantage. Um, Paycor Minerals trades on the TSXV under C-O-R-E. Christina McCarthy, President and CEO, congratulations on the listing and the drill results. And thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And that's all from me, Paul Harris. Join us for more from Mining Stock Daily soon.
The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.